Amen. Yes, Lord, we do want you to manifest yourself here this morning. That's why we're here. One of the reasons why we're here to for you to be manifested so we can see you in all your glory and your majesty. Jesus said to Philip, he says, Philip, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And Lord, we've seen you. We're, we're products of your Holy Spirit manifesting you to us, Father, through your Son, Jesus. And here we are, saints of you, the Most High God. Not because of what we did, but because of what you did. And we thank you, Lord. How great you are, O oh God. No greater day in any of our lives is that day we received you as our Savior. The only decision that is eternal. We praise you and we thank you and we give you glory and honor. For you are worthy, Lord. Manifest yourself here today, we pray. In the name of Jesus, Lord, manifest yourself. We know as we sang earlier in this song, Lord, there's no grave that's going to hold us down because grave couldn't hold you down and because we place our faith in you. No grave is going to hold us. Blessed be the name of the Lord. To you be the glory for it all, Lord, in Jesus' holy name. Amen and amen. God bless. Thank you, Lewis. Awesome, awesome as usual. Praise God. Um, those of you online, this is Freedom Church at the Palm Beaches. I'm Pastor Joe Trapani. We're glad you are here. We're glad you are here. Stay tuned to get your Bibles out and turn to Romans chapter 1, verse 16. And we are going to be in that verse uh, today. But first of all, we have a presentation to do. Come on up here, Max. <laughs> and and um, Jim. Well, come on over here closer to the... Uh, Since, since Max first, since Max first came to us, not long ago, he has progressed very rapidly in spirituality, and he now operates in a prophetic gift. Um, God has blessed him with the ability to play music and to write music. He's uh, blessed us with a couple of his most recent compositions, and in, in the last few uh, meetings we've had. So to recognize his, uh, his contribution to Freedom Church, I want to present him with this uh, official Freedom Church uh, jersey. It's about a year next month, but he has progressed. And that shirt says, Freedom Church, digging deeper. And this young man is digging deeper. It reminds me of myself when I was first saved, you know. I was going after scripture, memorizing scripture. People were calling me all kind of names, but I didn't care. <laughs> you know, I knew, the, I knew the Lord God Almighty. 
I knew Adshadai, I knew Elohim, I knew Adonai, and we just praised about it. And uh, nothing could shut, shut me up in those early years. And, of course, you know, we, we see that all through Scripture. We see the Apostle Paul couldn't shut up. We see the Apostles couldn't shut up, you know, and, and, and we should see that today. There's people in the world that just aren't going to shut up, and we're not meant to shut up. We've been called to, to the Lord. Anyway, for those online, I started this earlier. This is Freedom Church in the Palm Beaches. I'm Pastor Joe Trapani, and we're glad you're here. You know, you, uh, we're at 2810 High Paluxa Road in Lantana, Florida. If you're local, you know, we're here every Sunday at 10 a.m. You can tune in. Um, we have a men's Bible study every Saturday at, at 9 a.m. right here in the church. It's not aired. Sunday is, is streamed, and you can, while you're online, freedomchurchpb.org, you can go to our website. You can find out our address, our ministries, our past services. You can listen or even watch, and uh, you can even give online should you want to. Um, when God loves a cheerful giver, so keep on giving. That's what keeps the church alive, whether it's this church or any church. Unfortunately, we live in a world where we need uh, that to move on. So anyway, for those here, you know, we never take an offering. There's envelopes in the front, you know, in the back of your chair there. You can just give. This is a gospel of John. Take it with you and pass it out to someone. I put some of these on the back table. This is also a gospel of John. doesn't fit in your pocket, but you can carry it and give it away to people. And this is the Holy Bible. And it's what Freedom Church is all about. It's not about Pastor Joe's quotes or anything like that. It's about the Word of God. You know, that's what Freedom Church is about. If you like the Word of God, Freedom Church is a place for you. If you like a story, now you might find another church. I'm going to give you stories that tackle into, tie into things, but I ain't going to dwell on it for 20 minutes and give you one verse. Anyway, it's the Word of God. Read it every day, especially in these times. So, Again, for those online, come on in every Sunday at 10 a.m. And uh, every, on the men, if you're local, we're on High Paluxo Road, just a quarter mile west of I-95. High Paluxo Road is the north border of Boynton Beach and the south border of Lantana. And we're on the north side, so we're in Lantana. So uh, come on by. It's about Freedom Church. Freedom Church is about Jesus, Him crucified, dead, buried, and risen. Today we're going to be in Romans chapters 1 and verse 16. If you've been a Christian for any length of time, you know this verse. You could probably all quote it to me. I'm going to read it out of the, the um, let's see, New King James. New King James Version here. I'll read it to you. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power to, of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also the Greek. That's our whole text for today. And that's a powerful, powerful word there in, in Romans 1.16. And if you, don't, if you don't have it memorized, you need to memorize that verse. It just goes with the, being a Christian as far as I'm concerned. I named this message, Salvation Comes to Everyone Who Believes. Everyone who believes. Listen to this. It's simpler than a lot of churches make it. Salvation comes to everyone who believes. That's simple. That's simple. You know, the church fights over election and free will, but they're all wrapped up right here. 
Salvation comes to everyone who believes. Everyone who believes. Therefore, the only way to receiving salvation is through your personal faith. That's it. Personal faith. It doesn't matter if you went to go to church every Sunday, if you got a, an award for the best quiz team that ever was. It doesn't matter. It matters a personal faith in Jesus Christ. And that's as simple as it gets. Instead of complexing, complexing the Word of God or the Bible. Salvation comes to everyone who believes. So look at this. Salvation, the word salvation there is an all-inclusive word in the gospel. There's actually 23 meanings for the, words, for the Greek word salvation and the Greek words that are attached to it. You know, there's, it's, salvation is used 119 times in the Old Testament. It's used 43 times in the New Testament. And there are seven Greek and Hebrew words that say, give us salvation, that we can use for salvation. These 23 words in English are words like this. Salvation, deliverance, salvation, uh, to be saved, health, help, defend, warfare, safety, victory, avenge, rescue, preserve, make whole, cure. The same, that meaning, for that for that verb, or even when it's a noun, it is there are 23 things attached to it. So here, so listen to this. We could read this verse. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation, right? For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God for deliverance, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God for healing. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the, for, for it is the power of God unto curing, to be cured. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto being rescued. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God for victory. Does it fit? Does all these words fit? They do, don't they? They fit. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for he is my help. I am not ashamed of the gospel of the Christ, because he is my justification. He is my sanctification. He is my glorification. This verse is deep. It's deep. Salvation comes to everyone who believes. It doesn't matter if you're a member of Freedom Church, which we don't have a membership. It doesn't matter if you're some, uh, a member of some Methodist church or Catholic church or, or Lutheran church. It matters that you believe in Jesus and salvation will come to you. It's not about election. It's not about about what you do for the Lord. It's not about really your free will. Your free will you have to make a decision. Are you going to come to salvation through Jesus Christ and Him alone? By your belief in Him. You're healed by your belief in Him. 
You're saved by your belief in him. You receive the, the gift of tongues and the baptism of the Holy Spirit because you believe in him. It's all about belief. It has nothing to do with what you did. You know Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. By grace you're saved through faith. It is not of yourself. It is a gift of God, not as a result of works that any man should boast. It's about salvation, and it's about believing in Jesus Christ and him alone. This word really is used in all of its patterns over 388 times in the Bible. Salvation embraces everything. Everything. Salvation comes to everyone who believes. Salvation is used for deliverance from danger. We can see that in Exodus chapter 14. When, when the Hebrews were backed up against the Red Sea with a mountain on the north, a mountain on the south, and, and they saw the, 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 the cloud of fire, the cloud moved to the rear. They saw the fire move to the rear, and the only thing, way they could go was straight. And God said to Moses, lift up your rod and speak to the ocean, speak to the sea, and it will part. And he did that. God delivered over two, three million people that were enslaved in Egypt. Salvation is used for deliverance, and there it is right there. They were saved. And you know the story. Israel went across on dry land, and when when the Egyptian army went through, God caused the mud to get caked in the chariots and all that. And then before they got to the other side, God just dropped the walls of water on them, and they all drowned, and the, and the Hebrews saw the, the Egyptians laying on the shores of the Red Sea. And I'm sure that's where they gathered up their weapons of warfare to get into Jericho after 40 years, because they didn't believe. Salvation comes to everyone who believes. They wandered in the wilderness after they saw all those ten plagues hit, hit the Egyptians, and they doubted. Psalm 78, verse 43, it might be 41, says, Again and again they tempted the Lord, and they limited the Holy One of Israel. So if you're out there sitting to say, if you're out there uh, saying this to yourself, you know, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to be healed. You are lacking faith, and you need faith. And I'm not, I'm not knocking your faith, because there's more to it involved. There's more to it involved than that. You have to believe. You have to be, uh, have uncon you, if you have unconfessed sin, you, these all hold back your faith. The woman with the issue of blood, she had nothing left to give. She just chased Jesus down just to touch the hem of his garment, which really is the tassel. There were four of them. All she touched was a tassel. And Jesus told her, it was because you touched my cape, my, my robe, that you were healed. It's because of your faith. Meanwhile, Jairus is waiting there because his daughter had just died. And he didn't say, oh, forget it, Jesus. Or if he did, Jesus said, just believe. Just believe. So there it is, church. Salvation comes to all who believe. 
It is your free will. But as far as election goes, everybody's been chosen. God's, God, God wants everybody to see. God's not slow about his promise. He wants everyone to believe. You know what? Salvation is used of victory over enemies. You remember 1 Samuel when Jonathan defeated the Philistines. You also remember when Moses held up his staff and Aaron and Ur had to, had, had to hold up his arms and push a rock under him so he could sit down so that Joshua and Caleb could conquer the Amalekites and the sun stood still in the sky. Hey, listen. Your victory lies in Jesus. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is my victory. Salvation is used of healing. Peter and John, in Acts chapter 3, you know it, when the beggar was begging for alms, Peter said to, to the beggar, he said, Silver and gold have I none, but what I do have, in the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. Listen. If you say God isn't, the word salvation isn't wrapped up with healing, no wonder you're not healed. Salvation is used of forgiveness. For if you confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. So salvation is wrapped up in that. The word in Greek is sozo. And then there's soteria. There's several different words in Greek for salvation, which take in the 23 words that I just talked about. Salvation is used of freedom from prison. Here's Paul. He's in Philippian jail. First, chapter 1 of verse 9, For I know that this shall turn to my salvation through your prayers. Paul was delivered from prison because of, of your faith, of their, his, his faith. And you know what? You're going to be delivered from being held captive by the devil by your faith. Because salvation comes to everyone who believes. Salvation is used of deliverance from captivity. You read that in Psalm chapter 14. Salvation is used in deliverance from wrath. You're delivered from captivity. You're delivered from wrath. For God has not appointed you for wrath, but for obtaining salvation through your good works. I can hear that in this church. For God has not appointed you for wrath, but for obtaining salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. God doesn't point anyone for wrath. Everybody has been elected. Everybody has been called, but few come. Salvation is used of... Salvation comes through, I should say, confession. You have to confess your sins. Salvation comes through... If you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive you your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Salvation from sin comes through grace, through faith. By grace you're saved through faith. By grace you're saved through faith, not of yourselves. 
He saved us, said Titus, Paul telling Titus. He saved us not on the basis of the deeds that you have done. He saved you according to his mercy by the washing of regeneration and renewing by the Holy Spirit. And regeneration speaks of being born again. Don't hassle in your seats and trip all around and, and shake like a leaf. You must be born again. I didn't say that. Jesus did. Turn to John chapter 3. He says it twice in three verses. And Peter talks about it in his first, in his first Peter. Salvation from sin comes through belief in, in the truth. Here's what 2 Thessalonians 2.13 says. Because God has from the beginning chose you for salvation. Huh? How far back did he choose you? From the beginning. So you've been elected? Wrong choice of words. Listen. Belief in the truth. And then it goes on to say, because God has from the beginning chose you to salvation through sanctification of the Spirit and belief in the truth. And who is the truth? Jesus said, I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. Nobody comes to the Father by, but by me. So Allah's thrown out, Buddha's thrown out, um, you know, Harry Krishna's thrown out. There's only one way, Jesus Christ, him crucified, dead, buried. You say, that's narrow, Pastor. Jesus told us it was narrow. Matthew chapter 7, the way is narrow that leads to life, and few there are that find it. You have been, you are one of the few. And how did you get to be one of the few? Because salvation comes to everyone who believes. Because you believe. It's that simple. Salvation comes through sanctification of the Spirit, the same verse I just read you. Salvation comes through godly sorrow. Uh-oh, I never heard that in a while. 2 Corinthians 7.10, godly sorrow works repentance. So when you're sorry for what you've done, it will work repentance. That means you won't do it again, or at least you'll try not to do it again. But worldly sorrow produces death. Worldly sorrow, you know, that was the difference between Judas and Peter. Judas had worldly sorrow, and it produced death. Peter had godly sorrow, and it produced salvation through repentance. See, godly sorrow produces repentance. Of course, James tells us that, um, James tells us this, Know you not that friendship with the world is enmity with God. You know what? I go this through this all the time. I, I love to go out in the backyard, take my puppy out. She's really not a puppy. She's little, but she's 14 years old. Take her outside. The cardinals are flying around, Mama and Papa. The squirrels are running around. The pigeons are over there. The ducks are walking by. And I'm sitting there, this is a beautiful world. I love what God created, but I don't like what's happening. 
in this world. Man, you can't even turn the TV on without going, Bleh. that's sickening. Salvation comes through faith in the blood of Jesus. Romans 3, 23. For God sent forth as a propitiation for, by his blood for faith, through faith, to demonstrate his righteousness because of his forbearance. God has passed over the sins that were previously committed. Propitiation. In other words, it's like a ceasefire. It's like uh, reconciliation. You've been reconciled to God by faith in the blood of Jesus. Faith comes. Salvation comes from sin through faith in his name. You can read that in Acts chapter 4 and verse 12. Neither is there salvation in anyone else. For there is no other name. How many other names are there to get to heaven? None. There are none except Jesus. There is no other name given among men by which you must be saved, and that is Jesus Christ. So goodbye, Allah. Goodbye, Buddha. Goodbye, Muhammad. Goodbye, Hare Krishna. Goodbye. There's only one way. It's simple. It's narrow. But it's the only way, and it's the right way. Salvation comes to everyone who believes. That's just a, that's just a fact, according to the Word of God. doesn't matter if you went to church every Sunday. doesn't matter if you gave a million dollars to the church. I personally know a guy that gave $5 million to a church that he never attended. He's ho he was hoping. He died at least 30-plus years ago. He was hoping that would get him to heaven. It's not going to get you to heaven. Bill Gates gives a lot of money away from what I understand. But I'd be like me pulling a half a cent out of my pocket. Oh, it's a lot of money, but it's nowhere what the Scriptures talk about. A tithe is 10%. And that doesn't apply just to the Old Testament. Jesus, Jesus told us that many times in the Scriptures. That's a message for another time. Salvation comes to everyone who believes, for you're not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It's the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. Everyone, not some not because you're Catholic, not because you're Protestant, not because you belong to Freedom Church. It's because you believe in Jesus. And that's it. There's three facets of salvation, just like there's three facets I talked about of sanctification. There's past salvation from the, your sins. You're, when you came to Christ and believed in Him, your past sins were forgiven and washed away. And you know what? He threw them into the, the sea of forgetfulness, and he posted a sign that says, no fishing. Don't go back and get them. There's salvation. It's called present salvation, where you are working out your salvation. You're working it out. It's progressive. You should be getting better and better and better. 
Some people, they come to Christ, they get worse and worse and worse. They sit there and say, okay, I can commit adultery now because I'm saved by grace through faith. No. Let me turn to 1 Thessalonians. Five. I think it's five. No, let's see. First Thessalonians. I'll come back to it. I'll remember that verse. It's even gonna fit right there. And then there's future salvation. You shall be saved. When you get to heaven, you're saved. All there is to it. You're done. Positional salvation progressive salvation, and perfected salvation. Because now your salvation isn't just by faith. You are seeing it right there in the kingdom. This verse reveals Paul's heart. It reveals Paul's heart. For I am not ashamed. Paul wasn't ashamed. That's his heart. Of the gospel, he wasn't ashamed. The gospel, here's what... The gospel means good news. There's one preacher out there, and I love the way he puts it. It's too good to be true news. It's so good to be. I mean, it's so, it's not just good news. It's too good to be true. Yeah, and you think because you went to church every Sunday for the past 40 years, you're saved. No, you'll be the biggest churchgoer in hell because you didn't believe in Jesus Christ. Him crucified, dead, buried, and risen. For it's the power of God for salvation. Think about salvation when it affected you. I remember it like it was yesterday, and it was 45 years ago. I remember when I woke up from that dream. And I remember when I went to a friend at work that was a Christian, and he, and he told me, asked me, what am I going to do about it? And the Holy Spirit fell on me so powerfully. I said, I'm going to quit running. I'm going to surrender. And I did surrender. June, July 25th, 1977. You weren't even born, some of you. Think about it. I surrendered. You surrendered. And you became a different person. I was headed in the wrong direction. I was a little bit better than when I was a teenager, but I was still heading in the wrong direction. But that changed the course of my life. And I started looking up. My best friend, who was a foul, vicious, pornographic guy, wasn't my friend anymore. I had to give him up because 1 Corinthians 15.33 says, Bad friends corrupt good morals. I had to get away from him, and I loved him to death, but he, was, he wouldn't come anywhere near Christianity. I was born again. I was a different person, just like that. People didn't know me. My own mom and dad didn't know me. I wasn't using the F word anymore. I wasn't guzzling pitchers of beer when I went to the house. I changed. Foul mouth was gone. And I started talking about Jesus. Instead of drunkenness. We do not give this power. It is the power. This is the word of God. This is the power of God for salvation, for healing, 
for your curing, for your victory, for your sanctification and glorification and, and justification. This is the Word of God. It doesn't, you don't need, you don't give His power. It's, it is the power. It's the power of God. Use the verses. When the devil attacks you, attack him. When he throws an insult against you, you have weapons of warfare. They're not carnal. They're mighty through God. They pull down strongholds. They cast down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against God. Use it. That's your sword. That's your shield. You don't give the Bible power. It is the power, and you use it. Because you're a believer, and you have the authority of God. Because if you went on in, in uh, Isaiah 54, 17, the weapons of our warfare are not car. No, I'm sorry. No weapon formed against me will prosper. Every tongue that accuses me in judgment, you have the authority to condemn. Why? Because your inheritance is in him, and your justification is in him. You have no power of your own. This is the power that takes down the forces of darkness. Use it. I use it every day, and I'm not kidding you. I fight demons constantly. They don't like me, and I don't like them. And when I walk down the street, they're commanded to get out of the way, not me worried about them attacking me. Get out of my way, devil. You, put a, you build a trap for me to fall in, you will fall into it yourself. That's Psalm 7, by the way. If you accuse me in judgment, I have the authority to condemn you, and I condemn them. And I know that it's done. I rebuke them, I send them to the bottomless pit to be chained in bonds of darkness forever. It's the power of God for salvation, listen, for everyone who believes. Everyone who believes. Election and free will are really wrapped up in this package. Belief in Jesus. Some believers run helter-skelter around the world, running away from devils. You better be pulling out your shield of faith, your sword of the Spirit, you take them down in the name of Jesus. Salvation comes to everyone who believes, through your personal faith, that is. It's the power. Warren Wiersbe said this, Power is the one thing that Rome boasted of the most. Greece might have its philosophy, but Rome had its power. Despite all their power, the ancient philosopher Seneca called Rome a cesspool of iniquity. You know, that's the U.S. government right now. It's a cesspool of iniquity. Hey, they might take me off the air. <laughs> I hope they do. It's a cesspool. No, I'm just telling them the truth. God loves them, but they want to wallow in the puddles of mud. God doesn't want that to happen. That's what happened to Rome. They had power. Same thing with Alexander the Great. They had power. They had the whole army behind them. But they, you know, they, they had incest, adultery, um, homosexuality going on. 
In this country, we are in trouble. There's a cesspool of iniquity out there. You don't vote for a party. You vote for their platform. What is it? Is it a godly platform? Probably not all godly. Everybody vote for the best one. The ancient writer Juvenal, Juvenal called it a filthy sewer into which the dregs, that means drops, of the empire flood. Even though Rome and Greece had all this power, it was unable to make themselves righteous before God. Power, earthly power, doesn't make you righteousness before righteous before God. It's the Word of God, the power of God. For salvation comes to everyone who believes. This book is covered from Genesis to Revelation about one person. Even when you get to the genealogies, it'll travel for a while, but it'll stop. But when you come to Jesus, it always goes on. It always goes on. Even though it was tried to be stamped out, burned out, hung out, it still stood. For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to everyone who believes. You know the scripture verses. I'm going to run through them real quickly. Romans 3.10 tells you there's none righteous, no, not one. Romans 3.23 tells you that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Romans 6.23 says the wages or the payment for your sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. Romans 10.9 and 10, if you confess with your mouth. The Lord Jesus and shall believe in thine heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. And Romans 10 to 13 says, Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Salvation comes to everyone who believes, who calls on the name of the Lord. It's that simple. I don't know why the churches get so hung up on stupid stuff. Stupid. It's one way to heaven. The only sin that sends you to hell is not because you committed a moral, moral sin. If you committed a moral sin, why don't you just give up? There's hope in, in salvation. Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord, salvation comes through everyone who believes. Why is it so hard? Why is this doctrine and that doctrine and... You know, I had a friend of mine, and this is a true story, and it just happened a few weeks ago. A few weeks ago, a friend of mine went to a memorial of an aunt, uh, aunt that died up in another state. And they were, you know, her husband and her are saved. He was raised Baptist, and she was raised Catholic. When I went to the memorial, the priest, you know, gave you the Eucharist. 
when they came up and they got the Eucharist, and he went back to his seat, the priest came down off of his platform, went to the, the man who was the Baptist, but he's a believer, he's not really a Baptist, he's a, a, a Calvary, Calvary Chapel dude, really. You know, he came down off his platform, went up to him and said, you aren't Catholic, and took the Eucharist right out of his mouth. Yeah, and it's true. Three weeks ago, Max. They were so upset that they called me. What a dumb, stupid thing to do. Like, only the Catholics are going to heaven? Only the Methodists are going to heaven? Only the Baptists are going to heaven? I have a feeling that there's a small remnant there, but it ain't all of them. I'm looking around this room, and I say it a lot. I see everybody here that I know confess Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, Salvation comes to everyone who believes. If the rapture happened today, this church will be empty and the landlord will be looking for his rent for someone else. But them big churches, some of them things with a, you know, say you committed the mortal sin, you did this, you did that, you didn't like, you didn't take the Eucharist because you were Baptist, but you're going to convert right there. I'm, listen, that doesn't get you to heaven. Get you to heaven is personal faith in Jesus Christ and Him alone. Simple. Why is it so hard? Paul says loud and clear here, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it's the power of God for salvation. And turn to 1 Thessalonians. I'm sorry, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. For I delivered to you a message of first importance, which I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that He was buried, and He rose again the third day according to the Scriptures, and that He was seen by Cephas and by the twelve. After that, He was seen by five hundred brethren at once, of whom the greater part remains to this present, but some have fallen asleep. After that, He was seen by James, then by all the apostles, and last of all, he was seen by me also as by one born out of time. For I am the least of the apostles. There it is right there. This is the whole gospel right here in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 3 through 8. Unbelievable. Christ came, Christ died, Christ buried, and Christ is risen according to the Scriptures. Listen, I want you to pray. Even the audience online, pray. This next couple weeks are the holy weeks. You got Passover for the Jewish people. You got Easter for the Christians, or like I like to call it, Resurrection Sunday. People are going to go to church that never have gone maybe in 30 years. People that only go once a year, Christmas and Easter. They're going to go to church. Pray that that unbelieving pastor or priest or whoever he is is removed from the pulpit for that Sunday, or those two Sundays, and God will put a born-again believer up there preaching the full message of God, which is very simple. Salvation comes to everyone who believes in Jesus. That simple. And there's more to back that up. You know, come now, let's reason together, says, says the Lord. Though your sins are red as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be like wool. These are things that are there. Behold, the Lord's hand is no so short that he can't save. For your sins have hidden his face from you. That's why, people that don't know Jesus, the Lord has hidden his face from you because you're a sinner and have not repented. 
That's Isaiah 59 too. But your iniquities have separated between you and your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear. You wonder why your prayers aren't answered? It's written right there. You're still floating around with all your sin, past, present, future. And now you repent. And when you repent, as I told you, he throws your sins, your past sins in the sea of forgetfulness. He throws your, your present sins in the seas of forgetfulness. He sends your, your, uh, your future sins into the sea of forgetfulness and posts that sign, no fishing. Don't go back and get them. They're gone. They're in the sea of forgetfulness. To the Jew first and also the Greek, what gives them priority? Well, you know, you wouldn't even have this book if it wasn't for the Jews. You know who wrote it? Who transcribed it? They were the Xerox machines of the past because they just copied everything and made all, a whole bunch of copies. We have over 20,000, 25,000 copies of manuscripts in possession today. And when the Dead Sea Scrolls were found, they were a thousand years earlier than what we already have. All saying the same thing about one man, about one Savior, and about salvation. To the Jew first, this is God's pattern for spreading the gospel as far as I'm concerned. It's not that they're better than you or you're better than them. It's his pattern. He created Adam first and then Eve has to be a hierarchy of order here. And that's the only difference. You know, he came for, we, we know from Matthew 15, 24, that Jesus came for the Jews first. When he sent the apostles out in Matthew chapter 10, you know, he sent them to the Jews. He said, don't go into the homes of the Christians, or the, the, the Gentiles. And they didn't. But at Pentecost... When those Jews were all saved, which were probably mostly Jews, because it was Pentecost, and Jerusalem went up to probably from a half a million to three million people in Jerusalem, and they were mostly Jews from all over the world. There were some from Rome. You wonder why when Paul got to Rome, the gospel already beat them. How? The people from Pentecost, they were required to go to certain feasts. Jews were required three feasts a year, and if they chose Passover... They would have heard Peter preaching. And they got saved, 3,000 of them. Peter preached again. They got saved. Now it's 5,000 more. They say it again. There's another 3,000. And after that, they went home and spread the gospel. So there was a pattern. There was a reason for all this. God knew those Jews were going to be converted and believe in Messiah. And they would preach it all along the way, everywhere they came from. And they did so. And they turned the world upside down, says the Scripture. Acts 13, 5, you know, and when they were at Salamis, they preached the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews. That's where they went. When the Jews that got saved went out, they went to the synagogue and preached. That's what Jesus did. He went to the synagogues and preached. They were allowed to at that time. When my dad passed, since I was an only son, I might have mentioned this before, the priest allowed me to speak, but I wasn't allowed to read out of the Gospels. No, you're a layperson. 
you can't read out of God. You can't. You only can read Psalms and Proverbs. That's about it. And they're like, you've got to be kidding me. So I got up there, and I had a whole family, my mom's side, my dad's side. I don't know. And I told him that he, I, I didn't need the Bible. I just quoted John 14, <laughs> you know. And, and my brother-in-law, well, first of all, my brother-in-law, after the service was over, said, the priest was coming down off of his, off of his chair to throw you out. When I got the gospel out to home, my dad's, all my mother's, all their relatives. And even after that, one of the relatives came to me. He was dad's friend, one of his good friends. He said, I could never do what you just did, Joe. In other words, preach the gospel unashamedly. Don't be ashamed of the gospel. It's the power of God. You're going to heaven because of the gospel, because of Jesus. Paul and Barnabas waxed bold and said it was necessary for the word of God should first have been spoken to you. He's talking to the Jews. But seeing that, that it from you and judge yourself unworthy of everlasting life, lo, we turn to the Gentiles. God had a plan all along. Just say had a plan all along. He's going to take it to the Jews first. Rightfully so. Abraham was his friend. friend Abraham was a friend of, of uh, God. Acts 28, 28. It's Paul, last chapter of Acts, last verse. Be it known therefore unto you that salvation of God is sent unto the Gentiles and that they will hear it. They will hear with their ears. They will Hear it with their mind, and they will take it, and their eyes will see it, and they'll take it into all the, all the world. And there's many more verses I could give you to back that up. Salvation was sent to the Gentiles. And those Jews that got saved, those first 3,000, 5,000, and another 3,000, so that's what, 11,000? They were, they were Jews. And guess what? They became Christians. Don't be surprised if there's Jewish blood in you. Don't be surprised. Because they were called from, at Antioch, they were called Christians from then on. So the Jews were Christians. And they intermarried with the Gentiles. This doesn't imply that the Jews have top priority to the gospel. It implies that the Jews should be on par with the Gentiles who grasped the gospel and taken it to other parts of the world. We should be an encouragement to them. The gospel. Why no one should be ashamed of the gospel? I mentioned this many times, probably several times before, a lot of newer people here, but the gospel is prophetic. There's five reasons why we should preach the gospel. Number one, the gospel's prophetic. Number two, the gospel's provable. Number three, the gospel's personal. Number four, the gospel's powerful. And number five, it's preachable. So here we go. Do you know, everybody hates the genealogies, right? You sit there and go, oh, I don't even know how to pronounce that name, and I don't know how to pronounce that name. So you just kind of like skip over it. But here, if you take the first... Um, the first genealogies all the way up to Noah. And you take their name, Adam, Seth, Enosh, Canaan, Methiel, Jared, Enoch, Methuselah, Lamech, and Noah. 
and you take what their names mean, Adam, of course, means man, right? So here's what. Take the word named Seth. Seth means is appointed. Enosh means mortal. Canaan means sorrow. Methiel means the blessed God. Enoch, um, Jared means shall come down. Enoch means teaching. Methuselah means his death shall bring. Lamech means his despairing. And Noah means rest. So if you put them all together, the genealogy, man is appointed mortal sorrow. The blessed God shall come down teaching. His death shall bring the spar despairing rest. Despairing rest. He's going to give us rest. He's talking about Messiah in the genealogies from Adam. They're, you know, put them together. I started genealogies on King David. You know, I can't put them together yet. They don't make sense, but this one makes sense. You take these meanings. In Deuteronomy 18, we're told that the Lord will raise up another prophet like Moses, only he's going to be greater than him. And Moses told him, after I'm gone, you better listen to him or you'll lose your soul. We see that same quoted in, in uh, Acts chapter 3 where we're told that Moses truly said to the fathers, A prophet shall the Lord your God raise up unto you, brethren, like unto me. Him shall you hear in all things whatsoever he shall say unto you. And it shall come to pass that everyone which will not hear that prophet, and it's capital P all the time, shall be destroyed among the people. That's why, you're, that's why salvation comes to everyone who believes in that prophet. And that prophet is the prophet, the priest, and the king, Jesus Christ. Nobody else fulfilling all three of those. So the gospel is prophetic. I just showed you in the genealogies. The gospel is provable. And Paul says to the Romans, and declared to be the Son of God with power according to the Spirit of holiness by the resurrection of Christ. And John 2.18, Then answered the Jews and said unto him, What sign showest unto us, seeing that thou dost these things? Jesus answered and said to them, You destroy this temple, and in three days I'll raise it up. Boy, he threw them off. Destroy this physical temple in three days. It was being built for 33 years while Jesus was on the earth. It wasn't finished till seven, about 68 A.D., okay? And Herod started working on it 14 years B.C. And he said, Jesus said, you're going you're gonna to raise it up in three days? They didn't understand because, like Nicodemus, Jesus was talking spiritually to Nicodemus. How can I be born again and put back into my mother's womb? Jesus said, that's which is born of spirit is spirit. That's which is born of flesh is flesh. Come on, look, look at it. Jesus was talking about his body. This is now the temple of the Holy Spirit. He says, you kill this body and in three days I'll raise it up. Simple as that. You've got to have a spiritual eye. You've got to have spiritual ears. You've got to have a spiritual mind. Because the people, these, these prophets, priests, and kings, and pastors that aren't spiritual don't know these things. They can't see these things. They're blind to them because they're natural men. They haven't been born again. Jesus was talking about, I understand it, don't you? Jesus said, you destroyed his temple on Thursday. 
I believe it was Thursday, not Friday, that Jesus died, because that would put him in a grave Thursday night, Friday night, Saturday night, and he rose to Sunday morning. You know, he was in the grave three days and three nights, and he was saying, I'm going to raise my body up, and if you, you go to the Scriptures, I can show you Scriptures that tell you Jesus raised himself, the Holy Spirit raised Jesus, and God the Father raised Jesus, and that shows you the Trinity has, they're all one. They work together. He destroyed his temple, and I will raise it up. And, of course, on the third day, Jesus rose up. The gospel is personal. By whom we have received grace and apostleship for obedience to faith among all nations for his name. And Paul says, For this cause I suffer all things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed. For I know whom I believed, and I am persuaded that he is able to keep the tr that he has committed against the day. I've heard somebody just say that yesterday. I've seen too much to say there is no God. I've seen too much. You have too. The gospel is powerful. You, you, I, you know, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it's the power of God for salvation. You can read that down for the next seven verses and you'll find it. You know, there's that word power there is dunamis. It's destructive power. And it's also dynamo, which is constructive power, like a contractor that can, can reconstruct you. So, so, yeah, the power of God, dunamis, he's, he will destroy your earthly past and give you a constructive spirit to move on with the Lord, to grow in the Lord, to grow up. You hope you can, I didn't give a good picture of that. But he's going to tear down with his power your sin, your iniquity, your transgressions. And he's going to raise up with the word dynamo, you know, constructive. He's going to reconstruct you. And the gospel is preachable. Oh, no, I got I to go back to the powerful. First John, I love this verse, the first three verses. That which is from the beginning, John the Apostle is talking. That which was from the beginning, Jesus, which we have heard, Jesus, which we have seen with our eyes, Jesus, which we have looked upon, Jesus, and our hands have handled, Jesus, of the word of life. That which we have seen, Jesus, and heard, Jesus, declare we to you, so that you also may have fellowship with us, and truly our fellowship is with the Father and His Son, Jesus Christ. And these things write we unto you, that your joy might be full. You realize the apostles that wrote this, they handled Jesus, they touched Jesus, they hugged Jesus, they kissed Jesus, they probably washed Jesus' feet. I don't know what they did, but, you know, I, I, they, they, they were saying, He's real, He's real. This is no fairy tale. That's why I tell everybody, these aren't Bible stories, they're truths. They're Bible truths. David did kill Goliath. Jonah was swallowed by a whale and spit out three days later. The sun did stand in the still in the sky for a whole day. The sundial did go back 20 minutes, making up the missing day that scientists find out in, 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 the, in, in the astrology. There's actually a missing day. It's covered. And Joshua, when he conquered um, 
uh, the Amalekites. And it's also when, when Isaiah, when, when King Hezekiah was dying, and Isaiah went in and uh, told him he put his stuff in order. He got out of the yard, and the sundial went back 20 minutes, which is exactly what the missing day would come to. It's amazing. We've studied Scripture. It's so, it's amazing. It's beautiful. It's powerful. And the gospel is preachable. Why does everybody make it so hard? Salvation comes to all who believe. To everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also the Greek. God didn't leave anybody out. The Greek, meaning Greece had conquered the entire world. He's talking about Gentiles. He has come. He's, talk, he's talking about the Jews first and also the Gentiles. This good news is to be shared. If you go back to 2 Kings chapter eight, 7 and 8, you'll see about the, the, uh, the beggars. When, uh, when Jerusalem was being seized upon, there was a great famine, and the, the, the uh, Lord caused the armies to hear thundering of some other armies coming after them that they left Jerusalem. And the, these beggars, these lepers, they were actually lepers, they, they were trying to get food from the city, but they couldn't get it. So they decided they're going down to the, um, the camp of the enemies. And they go down there, everybody's gone because God caused, God caused the sound to be heard. And they took off. They left their tents. They left everything there. And they just took off because another army was hired. They felt were hired to go get them. So these, these lepers, they, they drank, they ate, they hid uh, valuable possessions, and then they said to one another, we're doing something wrong here. This good news that's too good to be true is need, needs to be shared. So they decided they're going back to the city and tell the king that the army has gone. So what did they say? We are not doing well this day of good tidings, and we hold our peace. They needed to go tell the king's household, and that's what they did. And that's why Paul is saying, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It's the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. We are holding back good news, good news that's too good to be true, that you can be saved. Some people will say they don't want to be saved, but that's their problem. Shake off the dust and move on to the next guy. Some people do want to be saved, and they need to hear it. There's a whole world out there. So... My encouragement from this message today is to don't shut up. Keep on going. Tell your friends. Tell your neighbors. Not just about Jesus. Invite them to church where they can hear about Jesus also, and they can learn about Jesus. And it's not my job to lead them to the Lord. I will if you bring them in here and they're open. But it's your job to bring them to the Lord. For you're not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, are you? You know, it's the power of God for salvation and healing and justification and sanctification and glorification and peace and victory. Then take the gospel, the good news, to everybody. Everybody needs to hear, especially this cesspool of the United States government that we got going on. Let's pray. Father God, today we thank you for your word. It's beautiful, it's convicting. That's powerful. Help us to take the power of the gospel to our loved ones, to our friends, 
to our neighbors, and to an entire world, and open the door that we might be able to do so, to share the good news that Christ is risen and they can be saved by putting their faith in him. In the name of Jesus Christ we pray. Amen and amen. God bless you, everybody. I love you all.